You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello there, and welcome back to Faster, More Intense. This is our Star Wars Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker spoiler cast. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, my faithful co-pilot, Matt the Crankster Cranky. Yo, what's up, Mike? It's Star Wars fans. We're finally here since 2012. We've been waiting for this uh, this saga to close. We finally, It's a little bittersweet, you know? It's, yeah. I'm, I'm so glad it's here. But uh, also a little sad, like, oh, you know, it's it's over now. But uh, this is going to be our first reactions. Uh, Mike, I've seen it three times. I think you've seen it three times? Two and a half. Okay. Oh, I, got, sorry, I got pulled out of my third screening. Um, I, I had to I had to deal with something. So, um, yeah, I was right basically in the middle of, of Kijimi. Uh, I yeah. had to leave the oh. theater. Uh, I'll get back and I'll see it a third time at some point in the next couple weeks. But, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Kind of, kind of bummed me out, but, but real life is real life, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it's been a, it's been a few be days. It's yep. been a few days, and it, and a few screenings. So, I, and this is kind of a first reactions, but obviously we've seen it multiple times. So, mm-hmm. um, but we'll see how this, how this goes. Uh, before we get into the, uh, the nitty gritty, Mike, I just want to see, uh, ask about your movie going experience, and I'll just say mine yeah. was. I saw it um, obviously Thursday uh, in an Atmos, you know, not it wasn't 3D or anything, just an Atmos, you know, Dolby theater, which was was great. Um, but I also want to say I did see it on Saturday. I, I wanted to try something different, and I did this 3D D box. And I got to tell you, okay, what an experience that was! It was fantastic. I was I just from the beginning of this movie, and the 3D is not overdone. It's only done in, in certain spots from what I can tell. So it didn't like it wasn't one of, it wasn't the whole the old school eighties stuff where you know things were punching in the face all the time. It was sure. done it was fantastic. And the D box, um, which is if you don't know, it's a seat that kind of moves around uh with the action um and shakes. Uh I just I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. So and and the only other thing I'll say about the experience was I was a little let down by the crowds. Um, it just didn't seem like the crowds were into it. I don't know. And I've seen reactions of people um, on, put on YouTube about their screenings and, and certain revelations that we'll get into that caused mm-hmm. an audience reaction. Got none of that. I myself reacted to, to some things, but I think I was the only one in the theater that was reacting to certain parts of the movie. And I was a little kind of bummed about that. I remember the days where, you know, Star Wars movies, people were screaming and, and clapping and and ooh and on and I didn't get that and I was a little bummed about that. Do you have any different experience where you were? Um yeah, I so I saw it first night in IMAX 3D and I 
I I don't know. I thought my crowd was was pretty into it. Um, That's cool. Yeah. I had to pee from about the beginning of the Pasana <laughs> stuff until until the end oh, of the movie, boy. obviously. So yeah. I was holding it. So I was a little bit distracted. Um, so that kind of impeded. I think that affected my first viewing. Um, mm. To be honest, the other thing that affected my first viewing was just accepting the 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 fate of some of these characters for what they are um it took it took me a minute to i i'm gonna say this it's i didn't come around to it you just have to accept it and move past it um it's and and i think this is an important thing for people who have problems with the last jedi is that it's like it is what it is you can't change it you don't get to make these choices um I am still frustrated because I don't think that the choices were motivated uh, from a pure storytelling place. I think that some of these choices were motivated by um, uh, uh, external sources, uh, yeah. uh, what people think about Star Wars in the current climate. And that's a bummer to me. Like that, that I find that upsetting. But, um, but it is what it is, and we are where we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall... <laughs> I enjoyed the movie on my first viewing. I liked it. Um, is it my favorite of the sequel trilogy? No. Is it my favorite Star Wars? No. Mm. But um, it's a it's a fine end to Palpatine's story. Yeah, I'll say that. Yeah, uh, isn't that weird? Yeah, with Leia, <laughs> it is what it is. Well, we're we're kind of stuck in that situation. Um, I think knowing knowing the the context of of why things play out the way that they play out what happened um a there are elements of this story the 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 surprise reveal of han solo um where you can see like okay had this actually been leia's story there would have been a few more moments with her and it would have been a little bit more would have been Mm -hmm. a little bit more impactful um Mm -hmm. but it is what it is and we gotta we gotta roll with that um it's unfortunate, but that's reality. Um, yeah. I think with what they had, they they serviced that character the best that they could, and I think they did a good enough job. Um, so yeah, I. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I, I it's a good it's a good movie. It's a fun movie. If you kind of take it in in less of a Star Wars vein and more of a Marvel Studios movie vein, then. It's a little bit easier to swallow some of this stuff because, um, hey, this is not. Here's the deal: this is not the end of the the sequel trilogy, um, from a story perspective. This is not the end of the Skywalker saga from a story perspective. It is two things: it is trying to figure out how to do Dark Empire, the comic book, in the context of the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, for some reason, closure on Palpatine's story, which I don't think anybody was asking for. Right. Um, I think that Ryan Johnson threw J.J. a curveball, and J.J. didn't know how to do it other than than creating a new big bad um, and not following through on the promise of now Kylo Ren is the leader of the First Order. Um and what that could have looked like. It what it ended up being was turns out Snoke wasn't important and Palpatine was behind it the whole time. Right. Um 
I, it, look, this is a spoiler cast. If you have made it this far and you haven't realized it, oh, I, I called it a spoiler yeah. cast at the beginning. Yeah. No, it's titled a spoiler cast. I mean, like, you, like know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. Um, but we're going to go, we're going to get into everything. Um, well, I'll just say, you know, you were saying that you didn't think it was your favorite of the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it. Obviously, like you said, there's things that, as a fan, like fan kind of stuff, I wish like I would have saw, yeah. and I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I, I was debating, like I've been debating for three days now. Like, I think this is my favorite of the sequel trilogy. I really love the Force Awakens. There's a couple things in there, obviously, that I, I kind of wish I could have seen, but um, I, I think right now it's just so it's it, they're so close for me. I, I think this is probably my favorite. Like, I, I think to myself, like. If I'm going to go watch a Star Wars movie, I'm going to go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go watch a secret trilogy movie. I'm probably going to throw this one in. It's just, there's a lot of fun, tons of action. Um, uh, we'll talk about all the fan service, you know, lightsabers, force, stuff that I love. So if I want to watch one, I, I think this is probably going to be one of the ones I put in first. And then maybe The Force Awakens, a super close second. But uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, and uh, you obviously you didn't think it was your favorite of the where would you put it at if you had to put it in the sequel trilogy just in the just in the sequel trilogy i put it last really yeah i go last jedi different places here yeah last jedi first force awakens second and this and this one last um i just so it's not that i think that it's a poorly made movie i just think that it comes from a bit of a tainted conception um, and, and for me, that makes it really hard to just enjoy it. The other thing that it does that I'm not a huge fan of is that it, it this is a, this is, um, Christopher Nolan by way of JJ Abrams, by way of star Wars. Oh. Um, this is the dark Knight, and the dark Knight is a great movie. I think, uh, it's got some incredible performances in it, but it's a trick. The whole movie is a trick. People act like The Dark Knight is a perfect film. They haven't actually stopped to think about it because that movie doesn't give you the opportunity to stop and think about it. Um, It moves at a breakneck pace. And in doing so, um, go back and watch The Dark Knight. The music barely drops out of that movie. Yeah. The whole movie is... The whole movie... And the idea there is that that score is meant to just be pushing you forward of like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen next? What's going to happen? Did they just do that? I can't believe they just did that. The Joker's there. How did he know to be there? That doesn't make any sense. Don't wait. What's going on now? So before you can even finish the thought of that makes no sense, you're already on to the next thing. Starting the movie with the crawl of the dead speak, Palpatine's alive, Kylo Ren's pissed off about it. The resistance is on their back foot even more so now because they're like, what are we going to do about this? Um, And then going right into, um, here's a tragic thing. That first planet, what's that first planet, Matt? Uh, That he, that Kylo Ren's on? Yep. It's Mustafar, right? Yep, it's Mustafar. Yeah. Movie doesn't tell you that. Doesn't give you any context for it. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That crawl should have said at the end, Kylo Ren rages across the galaxy trying to assert his power. His quest to destroy the Phantom Emperor has led him to Vader's castle on Mustafar. Yeah. Right? And then it would be like, oh, that's why the other one's in the Death Star. Vader had one. 
and Palpatine had one. Mm-hmm. Now the Sith Wayfinders make sense. That's why there's two. Always two there are, a Master and Apprentice. Why make more than two Sith Wayfinders? Doesn't make any sense. There's only ever right. two Sith. Right? Like, maybe a long time ago there was more than two Wayfinders, but Bane would have been like, no, we're the only ones who get access to Exegol and yeah. its secrets, right? Um, so, yeah, like... It, <laughs> There are some serious problems with this movie, and those serious problems are very easily explained if you pick up the visual guide. I've got it cracked open right now. <laughs> Let me confirm yeah. something else for everybody right here in the uh, in 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 this guide. This guide is fantastic. Pablo Hidalgo is a goddamn saint, yeah. uh, and he deserves so much recognition for all of the work that he does for us fans because this movie would not work for me if I didn't have this book to help it work for me. Um, the empire controlled. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So this is about star killer base. This, this book not only fixes, not fixes, but explains so much of, of rise of Skywalker. It actually goes back and, and the beginning of the introduction of this book actually fills out the force awakens and the last Jedi. This is about star killer base. Properly energized kyber crystals create containment fields that hold and amplify power to incredible levels. The Empire controlled several kyber-rich worlds, funneling their resources into, into the Tarkin Initiative's Death Star development. One unique world in the unknown regions, Ilum, had a kyber crystalline core. Most of its more easily accessible deposits were scoured, but there were even larger crystals buried deep beneath, deeper beneath the surface. The First Order continued its, continued its excavations and gradually transformed Ilum, a revered Jedi world since antiquity, into an instrument of unfathomable destruction. Confirmation at last. I mean, Jedi Fallen Order basically shows you right. uh, that that Ilum mm-hmm. was being transformed into Starkiller Base. The First Order finished the job and turned Ilum into Starkiller Base. Thank God for Pablo Hidalgo. <laughs> Thank God for the story group. Um, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. This book is... This book is more important than the movie. Well, it's so weird that, like you said, like everybody's wondering, like, what world is this? And it had to be confirmed through uh, the, the guide. It's like, yeah. oh, man, why couldn't... But uh, I'll tell you what... Here's the thing, but it only it only matters to those of us who it matters to. So, yeah, I mean, it still would have been uh, well. That's true. The this we've we've got through all the trailers, we knew that mm-hmm. that Palpatine was coming back. I did not realize that he was going to be front and center right off the get, which is how this movie opens with Kylo chasing down and finding him and actually speaking. And I'll tell you what, I love this opening too. I mean, the action is great. Seeing Kylo do his thing on Mustafar. Uh, using the force, using you know all that kind of stuff was really cool, and that opening scene with him walking into um, that was Exegol, and down and talking to Palpatine. And here's the thing, right? Like, when you bring Palpatine back, and I mean, you can't help but think this is damage control, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no way this was part of it from the beginning, no. right? That yeah. and the fact that Rey and Palpatine are both things that they pulled out in the eleventh hour to, to, um, I'm just gonna be honest. I'm not gonna mince words. This, these decisions were made to appease a certain segment of the fandom. I think that that was wrong. 
I think that that Ryan Johnson's comments recently about like when you know like the fan service aspect of it. It's like you try and make the fans happy. The, yeah, everybody's gonna smile in the theater, but. 10, 15, 20 years later, I'm paraphrasing for him, but um, 10, 15, 20 years later, where are we going to be with Rise of Skywalker? <clears throat> I think that we're going to need another series of movies in order to justify this ending. Um, and I don't think that that's entirely unplanned. I, mm. I, look, hmm. I don't think that this is a fitting ending for the Skywalkers. I don't think that this is. I don't think it does them justice. Um, I think that it, it, it absolutely retroactively makes me love the character of Ben Solo and, and Kylo Ren. That is the number one thing coming out of the first screening that I loved about the movie. I'm going to get all my harsh stuff out of the way at the start. And then we're going to get into all of the things that I love (laughs) about this movie. Cause I just got to kind of get all of this out. Second screening, I walked away and I went, I love this movie. I love it. It's a great movie. Um, You asked me before, where does it fall in the sequel trilogy? It falls dead last in the sequel trilogy. Where does it fall in my larger Star Wars feeling? Probably right right after A New Hope. So it's ahead of all of the prequels. It's ahead of Rogue One for sure. Um, And you, you guys know I have problems with Rogue One. But I actually have less problems with Rogue One. Than I have with this movie, but I, uh, I, but the sum is greater than its parts. I, uh, that's that's sort of the thing. Um, but I, uh, I, yeah, like the redemption of Ben Solo, I didn't think could be done. They pulled it off. They got yes. a skeptic like me to agree yeah. with that redemption. Um, <clears throat> but I, uh, but they did not. They did not close out the Skywalker story satisfactorily um and for every comment that was made of like bringing palpatine back isn't that just going to undo what anakin like anakin sacrifice no 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 i think we've done this in a really artful way that 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 it maintains that but then it also gives us no you didn't no you didn't at all and as a matter of fact here's the biggest plot hole that needs to be explained in something normally i'm like whatever expanded universe blah 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 who cares this needs to be explained for me in order for me to be okay with this movie. Um, and, and hopefully we get a, a, a son of Palpatine story that explains this. Mm. Palpatine survives. The empire falls apart, just shambles. Um, all these guys vying for power left, right and center, everything going crazy. Um, why would the emperor allow that? If he survived. So I need a story that tells me he didn't survive. They brought him back to life. That his followers, that the Sith, that, that now that we know that there's an entire planet of Sith devotees and, and like, are there are two Sith Lords, right? Master and Apprentice. Mm-hmm. But there are... So this this kind of is like an expanded universe idea of like the Sith were once a race. And I'm going to choose to believe until I'm told otherwise that the Sith on Exegol, they are Sith. Like you can call them Sith. There's a Sith alchemist. It says so in this book that I've got in my hands. So the, the, the guy who puts his helmet back together is a Sith alchemist. 
So all those people in that, in the thing, like they're all Sith, maybe different species, whatever, but they're all Sith. They all live on Exegol. They find Palpatine after the destruction of, of the second Death Star. They find what's left of him in that wreckage, in that debris field. Um, he has barely clung to life in the same way that, that it drove Maul insane. And this is the only reason yeah. why I'm okay with it at all. So thank yeah. you, George, and thank you, Dave, for sure. giving us the story of Darth Maul. Because without that, I call total shenanigans on yeah. Palpatine being alive. But because you, of the fact that Darth Maul survived being cut in half and dumped on a garbage planet and turned himself into Spider Maul and then came back and rose to a new type of power and actually ends up becoming one of my favorite characters in the saga um, from one of the characters that I'm like, that character is an action figure and nothing else into like Sam Witwer is one of the greatest actors in the, in the star Wars Hmm. story Um, bar none. Like his performance is so good and uh, to make me love that character the way that I do and bring him back and, and make him, um, uh, what he is and obviously i mean like the fact that it's so integrally tied integrally tied to obi-wan's story helps a lot for me but <clears throat> if not for that i would just be like checked out no deal but because we have that i'm gonna allow it because we have precedent and it's in precedent that i like um mm-hmm. so here we go like palpatine survived he cannot have been in his right mind or conscious or whatever for the first 10 years post return of the Jedi. That's how the battle of Jakku goes the way it does blah, blah, blah. Cause there's a theory that's been prevalent for a long time that Palpatine was so powerful. And especially we got a lot of this in Knights of the old Republic, that battle meditation was part of why the empire was as efficient and, and, and able to do what they did and that he was in some fashion using the force to manipulate the galaxy as a whole and, and battle meditation and whatever to like sort of everybody was of a singular mind. Everybody was of a singular focus and some people like if they would have questioned, should we do this? No, like the, this is you're the empire, right? Um, and that's what makes our heroes that break out of the empire and become heroes all the more important because um, in the same way that Finn does, Sabine, Biggs, Wedge, they go to the academies, they become Imperials, but something doesn't stick. Han even, something doesn't stick. The conditioning doesn't work. I wanted more of that in this movie. I wanted more of an explanation for why Finn is as special as he is and why the rest of that Star Destroyer is special. We didn't get it. Um, I also wanted the force to be integral in breaking everybody else from their control. I wanted to find out that Palpatine was in fact using battle meditation this entire time. And that's what the conditioning is Mm. that, that conditioning that made them all obedient was the force. It was the dark side in some way. Um, and they, Finn was able to break out of that because Finn is force sensitive and the light side awakened him. Right. I, we get hints of that, but we don't get full confirmation. That's a shame. It's another one of the pieces. You don't think it's confirmed. I don't think that that's confirmed. I think that, I think that he feels like, Oh, it was an instinct, a feeling it was the force 
yes and no, but I would have liked some. I would have liked something to happen as a result of him gaining that knowledge. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? I just, like, yeah, like I, I wanted you. action to confirm theory as oh, opposed okay. to him just going like, well, you know, it was like a feeling, like an instinct. Like, I guess, like, maybe it was the force that awakened me, right? But he felt Ray, though. Like, he felt Ray being alive. No, no, no. I, he is confirmed as force sensitive. I'm not arguing with that. That's 100%. And the next time that we check in with those characters, if he's not a Jedi, then I'm going to say this a lot in the next few weeks. What was the point? Yeah. What yeah. was the point of this trilogy? What was the point of that character? What was the point of him being force sensitive in this movie and not the other two? <laughs> I mean, yeah. now we know retroactively, I guess he was, but um, the last Jedi, like that was certainly, if that's what JJ thought, he didn't share it with anybody. It wasn't in the notes and, and Ryan did not get the heads up. Um, yeah. I, in any with- case, like, yeah, I- like there, there are all these pieces that, they're out there and I need the expanded universe and I need books like this visual guide, which I haven't read it cover to cover yet, obviously. So maybe it's in here. I don't know. Maybe that's in here. Maybe it is confirmed, (laughs) but um, yeah, like, like we got to, I need this stuff to be cleared up because right now it's a little bit all over the place. I'm with you on the Palpatine being alive. Like I, I get that. I mean, like you said, they've already shown that the Sith, you know, Maul, like you said, Maul's cut in half and he still made it. So yeah. I was totally okay with the Palpatine uh, being alive. But then, like you said, I, I, I saw somebody write this and it kind of made a little bit of sense. Like, well, is this the Palpatine saga now? Because Anakin really didn't figure anything in this no. in this in this sequel trilogy, and that kind of bummed me out a little bit. Especially in this movie, is one of the things I was so hoping for was to see Anakin as a force ghost and obviously it's his fancers, but he could have, he could have played a little bit of part of the story. Like I thought maybe he would show up uh, when she's calling all, and I'm jumping all the way to the end here, but mm-hmm. she's calling all the Jedi um, to help her into, into kind of view into her and, and to help her face all the Sith and the ultimate bad guy Palpatine. I thought maybe somehow Anakin would help out in, in more of a way just being a voice. But then, uh, then you start to think about it. Well, maybe that doesn't make sense. But, and the other thing that kind of bummed me out was at the end when we see Luke and Leia and, and, and Ray, again, going to the very end, we're jumping around here. She yeah. goes, she goes, I'm a Skywalker, which was awesome. And you see her and looking out at Luke and Leia and, there's more than those two Skywalkers. I was kind of hoping to see Anakin and Ben there. How yeah. cool would that have been to see yeah. Ben? Like, here's I, look, my Skywalker family. Like, here's, oh, come on. Here's the deal. Here's the deal, okay? In a year, in an interview, J.J. Abrams is going to go, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> damn it. I chewy layered again. Yeah. He whiffed the bat again, just like, and like, look, I don't care about the Chewie Leia thing. And I'm like, I love the force awakens. So I've apologized, like an apologist for that. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, whatever. He's more focused on Finn in that moment. The two of them will have their moment later. He overcompensates for that moment twice in this movie by having Chewbacca. Don't get me wrong. I love the moment when Chewbacca wails and, and, and like drops to his knees at oh, learning man. that Leia's dead. Ooh. Um, very powerful yeah yeah super yeah. good but yeah. either that or the medal at the end not both yeah 
Mm. Not both. The medal at the end, also, without the context of the fact that that's Han's medal. Yeah. Confusing. Confusing to the general audience. The general audience is going, oh, he finally got a medal. He didn't get a medal at the end of that other movie. Now, first of all, the general audience doesn't even realize that he didn't get a medal at the end of that other movie, except for the fact that there's a couple, like an MTV thing where he got a medal. And, like, there's a couple of jokes out there of, like, how come the Wookiee doesn't get a medal? But in the expanded universe, the existing canon expanded universe, he, he did get a medal after the fact. Um, the other part of it is that that is an important moment between Maz and Chewbacca but it's only it would have been more important if we could have the context of mm. this was Han's medal. Leia wanted you to have it, right? Like like yeah. you are like like just sort of confirming to everybody of like Chewbacca is not a friend. Chewbacca is family in the same way that that the three embrace at the end of the movie. Um, I wanted a confirmation of like like look here's the deal. Other than the droids, Chewbacca's... I guess Lando's still alive. So Lando and Chewie are the only ones left. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's the moment when he breaks down and, and drops to his knees. Um, obviously, we don't have a translation from Wookiee. But I, my personal opinion is that in his head is him essentially saying, like, this war has taken everything. Yeah. The First Order, Palpatine, all of it. Like, they've taken everyone i've ever cared about um and like leia is just the final straw for him right it's like han dying in front of him uh, you know he i I would say that chewy like compartmentalized it and moved on like he's like we gotta we have to we have to move forward we we, i gotta get ray to luke so that we can do what we can we need to do but those characters all kind of have a moment in that at towards the middle of the movie of like hope is lost Right. Like we're done. There's no there's nothing left. Um, and then Ray coming back and being like, no, I'm going to go to Exegol and, and sending them the, the transmission, whatever reignites everybody. So, OK, we're good to go. But and that, so that's Chewie's lowest point in the in the saga. I like that. But at the same time, like like that was enough for me. I didn't need the medal at the end. I would have mm. preferred Matt him Maz going like, hey, Chewie, and then him coming over. And then her kissing him. That's what I wanted to happen <laughs> in that moment. That. Yeah, That's yeah. what I wanted. Um, yeah. But again, Disney doesn't have the guts. Doesn't have the guts to do the gutsy bold thing. That's the Star Wars story that should have been told in that moment. And it's not. It, I wouldn't I, have been like, oh, Chewbacca and Maz are together. I would have. It would have just yeah. been like, in that moment, Maz was like, I'm going to kiss yeah. this Wookiee. Um, <laughs> No, I love the morning thing. I, that really, actually, of all the stuff, that's the one that hit me the hardest because obviously it's Leia, but the, you know, Chewie. Remember what what Han said in Empire is like, hey, she's a princess. You need to protect her because he was good. You know, he's he's gonna be gone. You know, it's like, hey, you need to protect her. Yeah. So Chewie's always been uh, like that watch out for her in, in in a sense. So that hit me really hard, and just the way they pulled it off was like his growls and his moans and the way he was kind of on his knees and he kind of yeah. like, he kind of, you know, uh, Poe kind of tries to come over and consult him and he kind of pushes him away. Like, you know, leave me alone. Just, Ooh, that was a, that was a gut check right there. That was a really, yeah, for right, sure. right. The metal thing was just total. Like, like you said, JJ, Oh, I forgot to have Chewie hug Leia, you know, the force awakens. Let me give him his damn metal. Um, 
so yeah, making up for something nobody was upset about. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, I mean, it's no big deal. Um, this thing jumps. I mean, Mike, this thing is you know a lot of from the frantic pace of this movie. This thing jumps from the stuff from Kylo on Exegol. We jump to uh, Finn and Poe. Uh, you know, doing their looking for the spy and, and getting some information. And they're doing their hyperspace jumps, which is, I mean, obviously that was a f- crazy fun scene to watch. These these two do their thing, um, mm-hmm. and, and Chewie also. Uh, and then we jump to Ray <clears throat> doing her force, uh, doing her training with Leia. And this is another thing that that's been really talked about in the last few days is is Leia and 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 Ray calls her master. So Leia's doing the training now. Yeah, and uh, really cool stuff. And what do you think of the of the Leia stuff? That obviously this was all what we, from what we understand, episode seven stuff. I thought with the limitations, you know, it's pretty fantastic. I mean, what, what can you do when you're limited to yourself to you're not going to use CGI and you're not going to use a new actress? Super limited, and for what they were limited with, I I thought they did a fantastic job. What do you think? Yeah, uh, yeah, they had to work within constraints, and and they did it. They they, yeah. they did what they needed to do. Um, my only my only gripes with Leia's story in this is is just I want now I immediately need <clears throat> all of that. Yeah, I need the whole story. Right. That I think that has been the biggest failing of the of the sequel trilogy, um, and it's something that I've had to kind of again apologize for with with general audience type people and some Star Wars fans is we're missing a trilogy. <laughs> We might even be missing <laughs> yeah. two trilogies at this point I know. in between. When we look at it, like we're missing a trilogy in a TV series in the least. Um, and we're never going to get that trilogy, but hopefully we'll get those TV series. Um, the training of Leia, the beginning of the new Jedi order is something yeah. that we need. It's, it's something that has to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, and they use CGI it. for that too, by the way. You know, yep. it's obviously CGI faces, but I thought that was so cool to see, you know, Luke and and Leia training together, and and that's the moment where she decides to to drop, you know, give Luke her her lightsaber and go. She's basically a master at that point. It sounds like, if if I was reading correctly, a knight at least, a knight, at least a knight, a knight. You're right, you're right, a knight. And she she gives the lightsaber and goes, "Hey, I see this vision of of my son." And I can't do it, you know. I have to do, I have to do something else. But a really fun scene, and I just one of those throwback scenes, and and those scenes that they throw on there that I was like, oh, I, I just, I just love that. So yeah, mm-hmm. super, super good with, with Leia and what they did, and like I said, the constraints they had with her and her story arc. Um, I love that that they retconned this and they made her a Jedi, um, and and explained why she stopped. Um, yeah, yeah. Because now we get to have. Um, in, in all of the supplemental material that comes out to fill in the gap between, uh, eight, and nine, we're going to get a whole bunch of Jedi training stuff between Leia and Ray. I think there's a couple of moments in the writing slash performance from Daisy Ridley, um, where it could have been a little bit more clear that they've been at this for the last three years, mm-hmm. um, between, between Leia's teaching and the, and the, the books, um, that, that now she's a Jedi. So like mm-hmm. my read of that is like Ray is a Jedi Knight. She is yeah. at this point in this movie. And what we see her do, I think confirms that, but yeah. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. So the time frame is, 
Has it ever was it ever actually officially? I mean, we're talking. Was it a year or is it more than a year? I heard the I year think, was the last I heard. I think it's like a just a bit over a year. So actually, okay. here, uh, let me see if this book gives me a time. It gives me a timeline at the beginning, but the timeline I think leads right up to. Um, let's see. Okay, so zero star uh, in year zero because they've 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 given it a different um, a different. Uh, uh, timeline because it used to be before Battle of Yavin and after Battle right. of Yavin. Yeah. So this is before Starkiller Incident and after Starkiller Incident. Um, so the Force Awakens being Year Zero. Starkiller Superweapon obliterates New Republic capital. Ben Solo, now known as Kylo Ren, kills his father. That's in Year Zero. Following that, Starkiller is destroyed by Resistance. Ray finds and trains with Luke. Kylo becomes Supreme Leader. Luke becomes one with the Force all immediately after that. Uh, near routing of resistance at Battle of Crate again immediately after that. One year after the Starkiller incident, recurring visions and voices in the Force move Ray and Kylo into another fateful confrontation. So I guess it's been about a year, okay. maybe a little bit yeah. over a year. That's what we thought. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing that was great about this for me was, um, you know, roughly after you know Ray and Leia have their talk and. You know, they decide she decides to leave. The gang is back together. You got Ray, you got Poe, yep. you got Finn, Chewie, and C3PO. And, and the dynamic between all of them was, I, for me, it was it was great the whole movie. I mean, uh, the clips and the barbs and the jokes and I, everything just worked uh, to have them back together. So I thought that was that was done fantastic as well, too. So I enjoy the uh, have seen those all back together, and not necessarily back together. It's, I, they never really worked together, I guess. It's, you, you, all four of them. You know what I mean? So yeah, uh, I, I just like I said, I love that. What do you think? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the dynamic of these three characters together is great, and it's a shame that we don't get more of it in the sequel trilogy. But the reality of it is that we didn't get very much of it in the original trilogy with true Luke, yeah, Leia, and Han. Right. We yeah. get we get a fair amount of it in A New Hope. Um, but it's all them getting to know each other. Uh, and then in Empire, they are not together at all in that movie other than the one scene in Luke's chamber after he's he's recovering from the Wampa attack, right? Like, other than that, that's the only time that we see all three of those characters on screen together. Um, and then in Return of the Jedi, yes, they're all at the battle uh, at Jabba's Palace, like on the sail barge, but they are separate for that battle. Um, But they all come together and then they go to Endor together. But then Luke immediately parts ways. He's gone. Yeah. Like he's like, he's like, like the speeder bike chase happens. Han isn't a part of that. The group gets separated. We get Han and Luke together, but Leia's not with them. They come back together for a little story time. And then Luke's like, I got, I got peace out. Vader's here. Mm-hmm. I got to go fight him. By the way, you're my sister. He's your dad. See you later. Uh, yeah, like, the, uh, they come together and then separate, and that's exactly what happens in this movie. So, um, yeah, it's I, I, I like it. I like them together, but I'm not – I also am not one of the people who harbors some sort of a resentment that they're not together like the original cast was. Um, no, no, it's just great seeing them. Uh, same, like same. All- that dynamic, yeah, yeah. To, to see them all work so well together. Uh, another guy, another new newcomer was Allegiant General Pride, which um, was played by Richard Grant, I believe. Yeah, yeah Richard, Richard e. Grant. Grant. Yeah. Uh, again, he's another one of these guys, kind of like Werner Herzog, where just he just 
when you think of an imperial, that's 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 him right there. Like he just plays it so well. I I personally loved him and and his part in this movie. But Kylo Ren, my, uh, Mike, puts the helmet back on too. What'd you think of that? Yeah, I I mean, like I love it. I love the 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 symbolism of it. Um, I also love like Ray says to him, "I see through the cracks in your mask," and it's like, oh, she's talking about literally and figuratively. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I yeah, yeah. It's so there's a this is the this is the deal. Kylo is Vader, except if Vader had successfully usurped the Emperor, mm. right? Um, yeah. I without like because he's like oh Luke join me and then we'll defeat the Emperor. Um, Kylo isn't a isn't a, a quadruple amputee and a iron lung. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I, I yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think of? Here's another one of the biggest sequences in the movie. Uh, one of the one of the sequences where you know I was just like, "Whoa!" Is on Pasana we get the showdown between Ray and Kylo, and it actually was Kylo in that ship. I know I think I theorized it could have yeah. been something else, but it was actually him going after her. She cuts the the uh, the tie in, in half, cuts the wing off, and they have this battle, force battle, which uh, was pretty intense. And it ends with her and that little foreshadowing there with the the lightning and what we thought was killing Chewie, but it actually wasn't. Uh, wow, that was a great scene for me. I, I totally love that scene, watching those two kind of battle it out and uh, seeing her kind of – again, she has this thing where she – when she's using the force or when she's really into something, she has this kind of look on her face like she's really – she gets mad. Um, it seems like, and, and it just kind of came out. It's a little shocking for you seeing the lightning come out. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Um, that's one of the most effective moments in, in the movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, we were in this tense moment of the two of them battling with the force and you're like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? How is one of them going to win? Or are they going to tear that ship apart? And that's not what happens the the lightning just comes rocketing out of her fingers and destroys the ship and you're like did they just kill Chewbacca <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. it, did that just yeah. happen and then you yeah. know obviously we're revealed pretty quickly after that that's not the case but yeah um i to service the story of her being Ray Palpatine perfect way to do it perfect way to do it yeah, and I, yeah. at this point, I had no, I wasn't uh, privy, you know, I, I hadn't read any spoilers, so I had no idea of what was going on, and I had not yet figured out who she was at this point. I just thought that mm-hmm. it was an interesting force power to come out of, like, wow, she is really, really powerful. And then we get the, uh, we talked about it earlier on uh, The Mandalorian, uh, the force heal of this uh, snake. Uh, and and kind of setting up what we're going to see later on. Yeah. Uh, but a new force power, which... Uh, I thought was you know that's one of the things that I love about I always wanted to see in the new trilogies is I'd love to see the force kind of pushed to the next limit and see new things uh, and, and new ways and new techniques um, and this was one that I I, I kind of loved um, I'm going to ask you about another force uh, thing that happens that I don't know if I understand or if it makes I don't know if I sure. like it yet it's it's the transference of physical objects yeah uh, i'm having a hard time with that one can i fix uh, it for you okay yeah world between worlds 
Oh, you know, I I, I did. Okay. I if you're that. okay with that storyline, then that makes okay. this make perfect sense. They are connected, the two of them. This is not a thing that anybody can do. They're a dyad in the force. There's a special connection between these two characters. Okay. Um, World Between Worlds makes it plausible that that's what they're doing. They're passing it between, like, through the World Between Worlds. This is like a Nightcrawler from the X-Men type explanation. Nightcrawler, for those who don't know, who aren't X-Men fans, uh, Nightcrawler teleports i think everybody basically knows that from the movies um when nightcrawler reappears when he disappears and reappears there's this puff of purple smoke right and along with it is this smell of um sulfur and for a long time that was just a funny little like oh there's a smell of sulfur when he because he looks like a devil right um and it sort of lends itself into his unholy appearance and blah blah blah. he's the nightcrawler i but it was then later explained in comics, sort of retconned, that when Nightcrawler teleports, what he's actually doing is moving into another dimension, sort of in parallel with ours, moving through it in a split second, and then reappearing in our dimension. Um, and that's how he's able to move from one place to another place, and so on and so forth. Uh, that's his power uh, in X-Men Evolution, the cartoon series. I think at one point they figure out how to slow him down so that he can actually see inside that dimension and then gets trapped in it. And it's a whole thing. It's a fun adventure. It's a cartoon show. Uh, we've seen that Ezra can go through that temple into the world between worlds, see all of these different points in time. Spoilers for Star Wars Rebels, but uh, pull Ahsoka out from the moment right before she's killed uh, and 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 then Ahsoka pops out in present time uh, no worse for wear what's happening here is that their diet in the force allows them to connect over spaces that's how they're able to see each other that's how they're able to communicate in the way that they do um, that's why it's so strong and uh, and it's the, this to me the explanation here is that this is the force connecting them yeah, I can understand that. I, in order, in order to restore balance. So they do set up that. They do talk about the dyad thing, and and it is like you said that link. And I was just trying to figure out like how do I explain like when somebody's eventually going to ask like that doesn't you know is not into Star Wars as much as I am. Like, hey, how are they able to you know do this magic trick with a lightsaber? And you you think to yourself, wow, how do I explain this? It's like. It's I, obviously it's the force, but we've never seen the force do this before. Um, but I guess it is part of that. I, I do remember the world, world between worlds and the, the whole dyad thing kind of makes sense where there's this, this crazy force link between these two that I don't know that any other has had this link. I mean, I know look at Leia and Luke when she sensed him hanging off Bespin. Um, mm-hmm. Was that some type of force dyad or was that just the force, you know, it, so the force is just, it, there's so many different levels of it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just trying to think, how would you explain this to somebody? Because they're going to ask, well, that doesn't make any sense. How does it, how does a magic trick happen? And he, the, the lightsaber goes from her to him. So I don't know. I just, I just see myself trying to explain that. And I'm trying to think, oh, well, how do I explain that thing? You know, like, how how you get, <laughs> it's just one of those where you have to just go, hey, the dyad thing and the world between worlds, which most people probably don't even know what we're talking about, but that kind of makes it a little better. You know, 
I love the scene. You know what I mean? That is fantastic scene. This one of my favorite scenes in the whole dang movie is, is that one. I guess we'll get to it in a minute, but um, I just want to get your take on, on, I mean, we're seeing, you know, obviously different, it was set up, you know, in the previous movies, but this is taking it to a whole, whole new level. So, um, what else? Uh, who else are we talking about in this movie? Uh, we get to Kajimi and Zori Bliss. What'd you think of her? Yeah, I like Zori. Uh, again, another character where it's like, cool, thanks for introducing this character in the 11th hour. Um, can we get some of her stories? Uh, can we <laughs> yeah. get some more context for why she's important to Poe? I get it. Like, I understand the, the core of their relationship, but, like, that's not enough. <laughs> I want more. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of my biggest complaint with this whole movie is that, yeah, we just move so fast that nobody ever gets an opportunity to really have a moment. Nobody ever really gets an opportunity to tell their story. Everything is just fragments. Fragment, fragment, fragment. Mystery, mystery, mm-hmm. mystery. This is a J.J. Yeah. Abrams thing. right? Well, it's kind of like the Knights of Ren, too. We, they come into this and... Uh, <clears throat> Pointless. Have a little bit. Pointless. Yeah, yeah, the Knights of Ren are stupid. <laughs> They're dumb. It's dumb. I don't... They are a hot topic T-shirt and no more than mm. that. That's like well, what about what about the new series that just came out where would they kind of explain that the for, the Knights of Ren have somewhat limited force powers as well uh, in the new Kylo Ren series? I read the first uh, episode or first episode, first issue of that. Yeah, I haven't read it yet, but okay. Yeah. So they do kind of introduce that they have somewhat of force powers, but again, in this movie. Um, something that was set up in the force awakens that we were really excited about, like, Oh wow. Force, you know, like, what are we going to see with these guys? And ultimately they just turned out to be, I guess, cannon fodder for, for Kylo or we'll get to Ben in a minute, but yeah, Ben solo is kind of cannon fodder for him. Um, we'll see what happens with that story. Uh, the first issue was pretty good. Uh, I, I read it already and I've got to read it again. Just gets kind of let it sink in. But, um, yeah, Zori bliss, um, the Knights of Ren, uh, well, Lando had actually a, a pretty good part. And what did you think of Lando? Lando was awesome. Yeah. No complaints. Zero complaints about Billy <laughs> D. Zero complaints about Lando. From the moment we first see him, even when he's got the mask on, you know who that is. Um, he pulls that helmet off and you're like, there he is. Lando yeah. Calrissian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Wookiees stand out in a crowd. I yeah. I love it. I love him so much in this. Um, I want the novel. I want the novelization because I'm really hoping that the novelization fills in the blanks in the actual story. Lando takes mm-hmm. off to go gather people. Now, Lando is a pirate, smuggler, scoundrel, just like Han. So... It's all good. Like, like I get it. He goes out there and he gathers and he's also a rebel general hero. Like he's like, he's everything that you need to be in order for him to go out and get the pirates as well as the military, as well. Everybody, like everybody's going to like, and they say like, Oh, can I introduce general Lando? And Ray's like, we know who he is. The -hmm. galaxy knows who Lando Calrissian is. Um, he's, he was infamous before he was famous. So, um, perfect character to pull that off. I want to see it. I want to see that story. Um, I want more of that. Right. Um, yeah. I loved it too. You know, and it's funny, like he was, it's so funny to see him nowadays, like the last few years at conventions, he's not much of, uh, you know, there's, there's not that excitement coming from him it seems like like half the time you watch the panels and it seems like he's falling asleep during the panel so he's just to see 
he's just and I, that's it and they got a great performance out of him you know he had that that little he brings, spark yeah. he brings yeah. it when he needs to um, yeah that's all yeah. you need man yeah he nails it to. he nailed it like billy d like i you know what i'm gonna go ahead and say of all four of them that come back to play the characters that they played 40 years ago mm-hmm. billy d does the just best job lando oh, does it over even over uh harrison ford huh? yep lando Whoa, doesn't miss a beat Han, I had remember back to the Force Awakens. I had to adjust to Han being older, right? Like there was a there was a period there after seeing the movie where I was like, I liked it, but like I needed to kind of work through it and go like, no, it's been thirty years. The guy's been through some stuff. He's had a family. He's a dad. Um, he's older, and he's an older guy trying to pull off younger guy stuff. It's it's a there's an evolution there. Lando has not changed. Now here's the deal. My only problem, it's not a problem with the movie. There's a book last shot, which was a precursor to Mm, solo, not a precursor to rise of Skywalker. So I totally understand. He was basically poised to get married, married at the end of that book. Um, He was, he had fallen in love. He found the love of his life, finally ready to settle down. Now we catch up with him. He's off doing God knows what on Pasana, right? And I don't think that he was on Pasana. I don't think like, oh, what a coincidence. I think Leia contacted him wherever he was and said, get to Pasana. They're going to need your help. Um, and and so he showed up and he's Lando and he's been to Pasana before. So he's already got friends. Um, I don't know why she wouldn't have told them. But again, we're moving at a clip. So let's not. Let's not ask questions. Let's just keep going. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, like, I'll, I I accept that it's fine. Um, here's another real big question for me, Lando. Um, we've got another character similar, Maz Kanata. Does Maz not have another outfit? <laughs> she was wearing the <laughs> same not. thing in the Force Awakens that she wore in the Last Jedi that she wears in this. She just got a million of the same clothes because, like, I really want her to wear something different in this. Um, <laughs> but did you know that she's actually a practical effect in this movie? Really? Yeah, Wait, it's a it, yeah, it's a per it's a performer in a in a costume. It's not a CG effect. Now Whoa. the the face I'm sure is CG, um, uh, enhanced onto that, right? But yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. So what does that mean? That means that the CG from The Force Awakens is just that good. Yeah. That now retroactively <laughs> we're like, oh, okay, cool. I can't tell the difference between a real one and a fake one. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, but Lando was great. I thought I thought he did a great job. Yeah, no, I was super. I was really excited to see him, and he, and he pulled it off. Like you said, it was it was great performance. Um, let's talk about the obviously the "I am your father" moment of this of this uh, movie, yeah. and that's uh, you know at on one of these star destroyers, uh, raised there, and Kylo shows up coming from Kajimi, and he tells her. Uh, yeah. What everybody has been wondering for the last four years, she is a Palpatine, and that's the one where I, I had no idea this was coming. Um, it, I was, it got me to go whoa, like in the theater, like whoa, you know. And yeah. everybody kind of looked at me like, yeah, this is this is big. And for me, I loved it, and I and the reason, and one of the reasons is I'm going to be one of those jerks that is going to say, I just wanted. Ray to be somebody like yeah. for me that's that's just me and I understand if you if you wanted to be a nobody that's cool too just for me I thought it was great that she was 
a Palpatine. This is how powerful she is. She's shown us from the Force Awakens something's up with her. You know, we've all wondered like what is going on with her. So personally, I love the fact that that she was a Palpatine. Uh, what do you think? Um, I think that this was them trying to backtrack. Uh, I think. Oh, that that, this, no, you're right. This, this totally. was a total yeah. do over on yeah. what Ryan Johnson uh, did, and um, and you'll never convince me otherwise. Um, but at the same time. George didn't know that Luke and Leia were sisters, or brother and sister, that they were twins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that was uh, so. Even like like, uh, there's lots of, in the uh, making of Return of the Jedi. Uh, the the um, uh, uh, the oh man, J W Rinsler, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, in his book about the fact that like they knew that that Luke was going to have a twin sister. It was implied at the end of empire that there was another but and so like like uh george had the idea of a twin sister it wasn't until late in the game that they were like let's not introduce a new character his sister is leia um and uh and so you know like that was a retcon that was 100 percent a retcon and that's fine <laughs> <It's>, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it totally destroys the weird love triangle between those three characters um and makes it very confusing when you go back and watch a new hope and empire, but it is what it is. Uh, and so, you know, it's same, same deal. Same, same. Uh, I'm, I, so I will learn to be fine with the fact that Ray is a Palpatine, but Ray is not a Palpatine in the same way that the son of Palpatine is not a Palpatine. And, and I'm going to call it right now. Mark the date. It is <laughs> six o'clock, six minutes after six o'clock on December 23rd. In the year 2019, uh, when we get the full story of Palpatine's son, we are going to discover that there's something weird about how that son came to be. Mm. It will not be straight up. Palpatine had a wife. No, there will be some sort of other nonsense going on there. The and and what will happen? The reason why I say that is because. In order to keep everybody happy, we're going to have some wiggle room of Palpatine's son is genetically his son, but not his son. And like, so there's like, a, well, obviously she wasn't going to be evil, right? Um, yeah. Uh, the most dangerous aspect of all of this is that Ray is my daughter's middle name. And now my daughter is named after the <laughs> granddaughter of Palpatine and I hate Palpatine because Palpatine's the worst. I don't yeah. hate the character of Palpatine. I like, or like I shouldn't say that. No Palpatine's the bad guy. Right. right. I don't like Palpatine. <laughs> I don't have any love for Palpatine. I'm not like, Oh, Palpatine's so great. I love Palpatine. I want him back. It's like, okay, they brought him back. That's cool. I love Ian McDiarmid. I think his performances are great. Oh, um, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but he's not in my list of top hundred characters. Right. So she's Ray Skywalker to me, and she always will be. But, um, yeah, it's important because it has to be important, and a lot of this story then revolves around the fact that Palpatine is back and Ray is his granddaughter. Um, I it does not change a thing for me that Ray came from nowhere, and the message of that story is that anybody can save the galaxy. Um, it mm. undermines that a hundred percent, but it doesn't undermine it enough to destroy that ideology for me. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I I'm just, at with it. I, yeah. it is 
definitely a cop-out. It is the easy route. It is the dark side. It's quick, seductive. It's all Mm. of that stuff. It is not a bold choice. It is not interesting. It is lazy. It's so lazy. It's as lazy as it turning out that she was a Kenobi, which I would have been happier with because obviously I would have been happier with that. Yeah. Um, I personally would have rather had the revelation that Palpatine had siblings that we didn't know about and that, that she is relate. She is a Palpatine, but by way of blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, and that it's like, this is not something that anybody could have known. Uh, it really bothers me. The line of like Luke and Leia knew. Yeah. If they knew them, why didn't they say anything? Oh, that's the other thing. What yeah, a that's horrible secret to keep. That's the other thing. Yeah. That Luke and Leia actually knew this. And Luke knew about Palpatine, correct? Because he went searching for him um, before he went to Octu, right? I, it makes – it really makes Luke – if Luke did know that and then we find out that Luke knew that before he exiled himself on Octo and that he knew – that he and Leia knew that Snoke was related to Palpatine, um, if they knew that, they have a lot to answer for, mm-hmm. um, especially Luke because then him abandoning the galaxy is like – that's not him going like, I can't do it. I can't face my sister. That's him going, I won't face the Emperor again. I'm afraid of the Emperor. And and the explanation of Luke not being able to face his sister after abandoning her son and almost killing him, uh, that I buy into and I love. I actually really like that dynamic of like, oh, man, these Skywalkers have a real hard time. Um, but but here's Luke. He, like, he didn't exactly – he had an okay childhood but not a great one. And his adolescence leading into um, – his coming of age was obviously mired in some very traumatic family related stuff. So he's not good at dealing with family stuff. That's mm-hmm. all. That all makes a lot of sense to me. Um, yeah. And then Leia's got some issues as well around Vader and etc. cetera. Um, mm. uh, yeah, yeah. But there's, but I, them keeping this secret from her bugs me. It really rubs me the wrong way. Mm. Um, yeah. Especially I, when Leia sees her struggling. Yeah. I really want that to be a moment for Leia to be like, I have something to tell you. Um, but I, like, yeah. it, we're, we're stuck. We're stuck with it the way that it is because we decided to bring Palpatine back in and Carrie Fisher passed away. Yeah. Those two things really, really put us in a bad position in this story. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. We got to think- deal with yeah. it the way that we do. Yeah. Luke has to be the one to come to to Ray on Octo and and have that moment of closure um, when it should have been Luke, Leia, and Anakin should have been the three of them. Yeah, um, that come to her and like explain for Anakin to be like, it should have been like Luke come out at first and go like, no, I screwed up. I shouldn't have hidden. I shouldn't have run. And then for Leia to come back and be like, you're not alone in this. Ben is alive because of you. And then for her to be like, no, I killed him and then healed him. And it's like, yeah, but that's like in the, in that act, you saved him. 
you killed Kylo Ren and then you but you resurrected Ben Solo and then for Anakin to appear and go look I know a thing or two about this it's him yeah he is Ben Solo you saved him now go save the galaxy and mm-hmm. then for Luke to ri- raise the X-Wing, which is such a great moment. That's a great moment. No, oh, fantastic. The smile on his face after the re- reveal uh. of the X-Wing, and it goes back to him and he gives that little smile. It's like, it's nothing's too big. Nothing is impossible, like Leia says, right? Oh, um, music. Oh, geez. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I. Yeah. And, and catching the saber that she was going to throw into the fire. And yeah, saying, that, uh, that was wrong. That is a little bit of a, of a thumb in, uh, thumbing the nose at Luke tossing the lightsaber behind him. But yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with it because... <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Still just getting over this cough. Um, I'm okay with that because Luke had an arc in The Last Jedi. And by the end of The Last Jedi, he knew that what he had done was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's an affirmation of Ryan Johnson's story, not... But my... My issue is that it won't be read that way. It'll be read as like by a lot of the last Jedi haters as see, see JJ and Kathleen hate that movie too. And it's like, (laughs) no, no, that's not it. Luke is in a different place at the end of that story when he dies than he was at the beginning of that story when he's presented with the sword of Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker that was chopped off of him, like chopped off with his hand on Bespin the last time he saw it being handed to him by the daughter of Palpatine. If he knows that. Yeah. You'd toss it behind you as well. But then he comes to realize she is not who, just like he is not who his father was. She is not who her grandfather was. And, you know, anyways. Yeah. Just to finish up on the Palpatine, Ray Palpatine, it was kind of like, you know, with, with Luke and Leia being the son of, of Vader, they're yeah. extremely powerful, more so than your standard uh, Jedi with the right training. So that's kind of why it worked with me was um, her being a Palpatine, the most, you know, the, the greatest Sith of all time, you know, with, look what he's able to do. Yeah. Um, and her having his blood made sense to me. So I was kind of one of the reasons I liked it and why she was so you know, it's from the force awakens and, and even Kylo Ren in the force awakens when he says, you know, what girl. So I'm assuming that Kylo Ren knew this for a long time as well, that she was a Palpatine and him being scared of her, uh, especially in the force awakens. You think he knew about oh, it? Oh No, I Palpatine revealed that in this movie. I think that's pretty clear. I think that's, I don't think that's up for debate personally. So you think he, Kylo Ren did not know until this movie. I don't think he knew until this movie. Okay. I think that, like, when he says, I didn't lie to you, he he is telling the truth, his truth, his point of view, right? When he reached into her mind and saw her parents in The Force Awakens, and then through their bond, when they touched hands in The Last Jedi, he saw what she believed herself. She had no idea she was a Palpatine. She had right. no idea that that her father was a Palpatine. She thought that her parents were who they were. She had also, through the trauma of that experience, she had uh, uh, buried down deep within the, the reality of the fact that her parents loved her. Right? 
mm. because in order to protect herself because she was a child and then she goes through all this traumatic stuff god knows what Ankar Plutt put her through yeah. in those first few years we see it when we see her when we first meet her she's out on her own in the middle of the desert living in a fallen adat instead of with him who she was sold to why why would she do that maybe like like if if Unkar has all of these other guys that are like surrounding him, probably living in the lap of luxury inside his enclave or whatever, why wouldn't she do that? Mm-hmm. Because she <clears throat> saw some horrific things and she hid herself away, right? <clears throat> so yeah. yeah, like I like I'm gonna choose to believe that 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 she convinced herself of this reality and then that's what Kylo saw, so he believed it. When he said that, and then okay. he gets the truth, and he's like, "They were nobody to you, yeah. right?" So that that line to me makes sense. That that and that aspect of the story makes sense. Because Palpatine doesn't outright say that to Kylo Ren in this movie. He talks about <clears throat> a girl, and I guess just coincidence where that line in The Force Awakens kind of means more now, even though maybe it didn't wasn't set up that way in The Force mm-hmm. Awakens. It certainly does mean a lot now when he says what girl um to but if he doesn't know, there's just a couple of quinces like the way she you know, a lot of people talk about the way she fought Kylo Ren in the first fight in The Force Awakens, where she does a lot of the shoulder, two handed stabbing motion, which is directly what Palpatine does against Mace Windu. Again, more coincidences more than yeah. You know, because it's it's also I always I always read that as the lightsaber giving her a lesson, right? Like she's holding Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber and that's his fighting style, too. The two handed overhead strike is an Anakin Skywalker move. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. So like that, like, yes, the jabbing stuff I get that that's kind of that's kind of Palpatine ish. But we're ascribing things that weren't that aren't there, right? Yeah. And that's fine. That's what that's that's how these movies work. That's that's what we do. God knows I've like in order to make the prequels work, I have added in so much of my own. <laughs> You're all head Kim. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like I said, I do that, and I think of those <laughs> lines, and it it makes sense. Yeah. And I just wonder, like, I don't think I think JJ would have come out right and said, "Oh yeah, I, when I did the Force Awakens, this was kind of something I had thought about." Even though I wasn't doing the other two movies, if this it, is something yeah. that I thought about. If, like, if he came out and said that, then the, then those lines mm-hmm. make sense and that stuff in The Force Awakens makes sense. But he hasn't come out right and said that in the yeah. interviews that, that I've heard. Um, if it was planned from the beginning, the, the Last Jedi would not have gone the way that it was, that it did. Yeah. What happened yeah. here, what I'm convinced happened here, is Force Awakens comes out. Huge success. Everybody loves it. The worst thing anybody can say is it's too much like that other movie that everybody loves. That's yeah. the worst anybody can say about it. I don't yeah. like that girl. Black guys shouldn't be stormtroopers. Cool. You're sexist and racist. We don't care what you think. Um, that's the worst that happened with that one. The Last Jedi comes out crazy. Nuts. We don't need to get yeah. into it. Yeah. Some of it is a continuation of those other things that I said. The the racism, the sexism. Girls shouldn't be this strong. Girls can't do that. A girl shouldn't have the Millennium Falcon or Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. Whatever. I'm not counting any of that stuff. That stuff's nonsense. The division of the fandom over Luke Skywalker's story, that's something. That yeah. That is something that I think made Disney, not as much Kathleen Kennedy, but Disney scared. 
I don't think that it would have had an effect if not for what happened with Solo. Mm. When did JJ come back on? Before Solo came out or after it? Before Solo came out. Uh, oh, that's a good question. I'm I'm curious about that because I'm curious yeah. when they made that decision. But regardless, they would have been writing story. Um, JJ announced. Oi, announced for episode. Because Trevor was gone, and then they convinced him to come back. <clears throat> um. When did that happen? The Rise of Skywalker. Let me see. Uh, yeah, so I think that I think that Colin Trevorrow and Derek Connolly were writing a story, and they were going on a path, following in the footsteps of what, of what. Um, in September 2017, Trevorrow left the project following creative differences with producer producer Kathleen Kennedy, and a few days later, it was announced that Abrams. Uh, had been hired to return. Principal photography began in August 2018. So, uh, and so it came out in 20, 2018. 18, yeah, yeah. So September 2017. This was all before. I guess. I guess JJ came back in before Last Jedi even came out. A few days later, it was announced that Abrams had been hired to return. So I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I guess. I guess I'm wrong. I. Uh, I do think that that JJ was given instruction to bring it all home, and I think that his his attitude towards that was I'm gonna I'm gonna fix some of this stuff that people don't like. I'm gonna lean way into the original trilogy, um, and I think that he and uh, Chris Terrio went to source material. I think that is one of the biggest thing that defines this movie. The other mm-hmm. two were written in isolation. Um, uh, and not adapted. The Rise of Skywalker is an adaptation of the Dark Empire comic books into a Star Wars movie to match up with the rest of the sequel trilogy. Uh, I guarantee that because the Emperor coming back, the cloning, the the dark side transference of spirit from one Sith to another into a Jedi, that is all Dark Empire stuff. Mm-hmm. On top of the content of it, the visuals of Exegol and the the Final Order fleet, that stuff is straight out of Dark Empire. If you've never read the Dark Empire comics, if you're not familiar with the visuals of it, that whole comic book is blue and green with lightning everywhere. Hmm. Um, and that final sequence, my biggest problem with all of that is that you can't see a thing. It's blue and black and lightning, and that's it. And we got a, a resistance fleet going up against the Final Order fleet, all these Star Destroyers, and I can't tell the difference between anything. Mm, it, yeah. um, everything else in this movie, I will eventually get over and move past, and it is what it is. The one thing I will never get past is how bad the space battle is. It is not good. It's fine. It's serviceable. We understand the broader strokes of it. But when you look at it compared to the Battle of Endor, which is the pinnacle of Star Wars space battles, the Battle of Endor, it is clear who the bad guys are. It is clear who the good guys are. We know where the objectives are. 
we understand that whole battle the entire time. Star Destroyers are angled. Mon Cal car- Cruisers are bubbles. They are visually distinct, right? X-Wings got color on them. Y-Wings, A-Wings, B-Wings, colors. Blue, green, yellow, red, colored. TIE Fighters are gray, right? In this movie, because of the lighting and the scenario that they're in, everything is blue-gray. Everything. Mm -hmm. X-Wings are blue-gray. TIE Fighters are blue-gray. Star Destroyers are blue-gray. If you didn't know from the poster that they released... There's no indicator in this movie that those Star Destroyers have the red livery on them. There's none whatsoever in this movie. It's there. You can see it on your third time watching the movie. But before that, like if you didn't know that to look for it, you wouldn't notice it. They just look like Star Destroyers. Right? Um, they just look like white, gray Star Destroyers like they should. Uh, yeah, the, the tie daggers. You can't tell the red on there. But making the tie daggers red, putting that stuff on there, you are now visually confusing the thing that makes the Rebel Alliance the Rebel Alliance. And that's that the Empire is cold. It's calculating. There is no distinction between ranks and blah, blah, blah. Everybody wears the same uniform. Every ship looks the same. They're all the same color. That's what makes it the Empire, right? What makes it the Rebel Alliance is everybody's a little bit different. Yeah. And there's color. So I see them doing, trying to do it a little bit. Pose X-Wing is a solid orange. There's right. a solid green X-Wing. The A-Wings are green. They did it in the production design. They didn't execute it on screen. Yeah. And in my opinion, what should have happened is that those ships should have risen out of the atmosphere into space, and it should have been on a starfield. If that fight was on a starfield without the lightning, it would have been way more effective. It would have been and without the fog and the the atmospheric effects. That stuff just wrecks it. It ruins the dynamic of that space battle. Also, the fact that we're just in a sea of triangles. It's not visually interesting at a certain point. That's really mm-hmm. cool the first time that we see it. But then after that fact, it just makes that battle. It's the battle at the beginning of, of Revenge of the Sith. And that's yeah. really neat, but it doesn't work, right? I think that we all agree. Yeah. It's like, oh, cool. Look at how big this battle is. I don't know what's going on. I can't tell yeah. who's winning. Yeah. But that's not the yeah. important part. The important part is Anakin and Obi-Wan, and that's fine. At no point do we really focus on – we get moments. We get these little blips of, oh, that's Wedge in the gun gun seat on the Millennium Falcon. But even some people are confused about that and think that Wedge is in the cockpit of a starfighter, right? Yeah, that was confusing, and I did. I go, wait a minute, is he the Falcon? Why, Why is he, he in the Falcon? Fighter? Yeah, yeah. One of the best yeah. pilots in the galaxy. One of the best pilots the Resistance yeah. and Rebellion has ever known. You put and him in the, the cockpit, in the gun seat. Yeah. On the Falcon, dumb. Yeah. Dumb choice. Yeah. No, I'm with you on this on this battle. It was very. It's just too dark, and it yeah. just wasn't that great. But I'll tell you what. One battle that was fantastic was Ray and Kylo. Yeah. On the start, uh, on the start, you know, the wreckage uh, of that ocean. Yeah, fantastic, beautiful to look at, amazing fight, yeah. great force powers, everything I loved, or everything I love about this this saga was in that fight right yeah. there. And I'll tell you what, Kylo Ren was a beast on this one. I yeah. mean, physically overpowers. He doesn't. Uh, 
he doesn't fight her. He just wears her down because he doesn't want to kill her. Right, right, right. right, right. I love that element of the story. And it's one of the pieces that allows me to believe in the redemption of, of Ben Solo is that Kylo Ren is never... He's never he's in when we first meet him, he's malicious and he's got a temper and blah, blah, blah. At this point, he's collected himself. He he's in control because he fights her and he doesn't he doesn't fight her. He just allows her to wear herself out like a like a like a great boxing match. He just keeps his guard up. He strikes when he when he knows it's not when she's going to block it. Right. And he never at a certain point, she switches hands and he allows her to do that. And she's like, she's like shaking her hand off because it hurts. Yeah. Right. And yeah, he yeah. allows her that moment and then like lets her get up and strike again. He's like, you're just tiring yourself out. The only reason she wins that battle is because Leia interrupts it. Yeah. Well, the, 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 you're, you're totally right about this fight too. Like he, he is, he's at a peak of his power right here, I think. And, and, some of the swings, it just like you said, he blocks, but he lets her, and and yeah. it'll be like she'll swing, and then it'll be a two second pause, like she gathers herself, and the fight just stops, and he's just waiting. He doesn't attack her; he's letting her swing, and he's just blocking until you get to that you get to that final moment where um, he just he's ready to strike her down. Yeah, and we get the here's here it is right here, you know, the redemption, um, or not the redemption, but. Leia sacrifices herself to get to her son, Ben, yeah. and finally make that change uh, in him. Wow, what a powerful scene. And and uh, you talked about the redemption, Mike. I We kind of knew this might be coming. I mean, this is, you know, Star Wars, and it's not going to end on a sour note. It was one um, of the two ways it was going to go, for sure. Yeah, and, and I tell you what, I love the way they did this redemption. Yeah. Um, it totally worked. Even though I knew it was probably coming, totally loved it. What do you think? I I said this before. I maybe I said this on the Mandalorian on 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 our last episode talking about the Mandalorian. This redemption makes me retroactively love the character of Kylo Ren. I haven't been yeah. too hot on him. I like him. Really? I like I like I love this character. I like the purpose that he serves within the story and I like the way that he's written and performed. Um but in the same way that I feel about Palpatine, it's exactly it was exactly the same of like He's there. He's great. He's a good villain, but I don't love him. I don't relate to him. I don't, I, his, his, his redemption is not important to me. And then, um, they made it important to me. They yeah. really like, they really brought it home. And what they did was they made me fall in love with Ben Solo. Um, and, yeah. and they really sold the tragedy of that character and now retroactively, I want to go back and I want the story of young Ben and his fall, um, so that we can so that we can see more of that. We can see more of Ben Solo. But what we see in his in his moments, he jumps on that chain and he he hits it and says he basically turns to the camera. I said this on the Mandalorian. <laughs> he turns to the camera and goes ow. And that is it. Doesn't get more Han Solo than that. It yeah. doesn't. It just doesn't get more Han Solo than that. And he goes in there doesn't care that he's armed with a blaster pistol and his wits just like han he runs in and 
there's the Knights of Ren, and he's like, well, I guess we're doing this. Let's go. I'm going to fight you guys hand-to-hand with nothing. Um, <laughs> he's Han yeah. Solo, right? Like, he is, the, he is the son of Han and Leia. He he throws himself into danger, not really thinking about anything except for the person that, that he loves. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry, that he loves. And... Uh, and that's his. That's the redemption. That's it right there. Um, and it's it, it's tragic because, God, what what we could have had, right? I know. Um, I'm watching that scene, the final scene you're talking about, <laughs> with how he fights off the Knights of Ren. Great, again, fantastic action, force yeah. powers in a lightsaber fight. Come on, I mean that's awesome. And then he and him, like you said earlier, him standing side by side with the two lightsabers, yeah. two blue lightsabers lit. I'm watching that and going. Oh, please don't, you know, like when he ended up sacrificing himself to yeah. save Ray, I was kind of bummed a little bit because I wanted to see them two together yep. on adventures. Like, oh, how awesome would that have it's, been? For oh. Ray for Ray, it's a hero's journey and for for Ben it's a it's a tragedy. It's the tragedy of Ben Solo. Right. Yeah. Just like it was the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker, right? Like that's Anakin and, and it's exactly the same. Anakin's tragedy ends at the same time that Luke's hero's journey ends, they like yeah. Luke's final act in bringing back Anakin Skywalker is also the final note in Anakin's story. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same yeah. way, Ray parallels Luke and, and Ben parallels Anakin. So that these are in the ways that she earns the title of Skywalker, the, the, the last name of Skywalker. So yeah, she uh, like that, that, that moment of the two of them side by side, I said it on, on, the previous episode um anakin skywalker and obi-wan kenobi side by side again yeah which is what i wanted like that's what that's what i was asking for out of the out of all of it like like that's why i wanted her to be a kenobi is because what i wanted was for a kenobi to redeem anakin skywalker to to redeem ben solo and to finally make up for they there were there this is a it was honestly the same story. They did the same thing. It's just because of the characters, the stories play out differently. I wanted her to be a Kenobi, and what that would have done is allow closure on on Ben Kenobi's story because he's my favorite character in Star Wars, and I want, I want that. I want mm-hmm. his mistake to be rectified by his granddaughter, right? Yeah. Yeah. They instead went with the Palpatine angle, and the Palpatine angle changes it, so it's okay. Palpatine's injustice is eventually undone, not undone, but, but not redeemed, but, um, the force balances itself with this, with this woman who comes in and ends the Sith once and for all, not just Palpatine, but the entire Sith civilization on Exegol, Mm -hmm. right? They're destroyed at the end of this. None of them survive. Um, the only thing that that I think would have made that more final is, and I really, if they would have done a storyline where Finn and Janna free all of the stormtroopers, they could have had a great moment where they then turn one of those final order star destroyers on Exegol and destroy the planet, destroying the Sith once and for all. Like yeah. as a note of like like and it would have been done after we see Ray do whatever and Ben disappear. It's like okay. She basically did like, like Palpatine did his destruction destroyed the Sith. Yeah. But then like 
so that no one can go back to this planet and uncover the the ancient blah 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 and resurrect the Sith. Hmm. Let's just let's just wipe this planet from the face of the galaxy, right? Yeah. Let's use one of these star destroyers to do it. I would have really liked to have seen that. That gives you an idea. That's everything I need to say about Finn and Janna's story. That's what I wanted from that storyline was, oh, they're gonna they're gonna free all of the First Order stormtroopers and everybody who's been subjugated by the first order all these people who've been taken um i'm hoping that we that we retroactively go back and fix that that like in that moment palpatine dies that wave goes out all of the conditioning breaks and anybody who would have mutinied at some point mutinies at that point and so like that the final moments of that battle that we didn't get to see because we cut away to the rest of the galaxy and then we cut to to um, the planet that they're on, that the I'm going to bring it up. I don't remember the name of it right now. Um, that the resistance is on. Um, yeah. <clears throat> what we didn't see was that a bunch of the first order stormtroopers mutinied just like Janna's crew did and just like Finn did and righted that wrong. Um, yeah. And so a bunch yeah. of them survive um, because there is a there's an element of the story where it's like, what? Stop shooting at these stormtroopers. Stop killing them. They don't want to do this. Uh, I, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> I don't know how to pronounce this. Agent Kloss, Agent Kloss, A J A N K L O S S. They never say okay. it in the movie. Um, no. Yeah. Mm. Anyways, I uh, yeah that I would have really liked to have seen that, so that Finn had something, and it, and he could have used his force powers to do it. They could have the two of them together. My belief, until I'm told otherwise f-level canon is that the reason why finn and janna and all and the rest of the that crew why and i also wanted them to be brother and sister i wanted that reveal but that's fine um the reason why they were able to break through the conditioning is because they were because they're force sensitive and and, and the light side tapped into them in the same way that it awakened in in ray it awakened in them Oh. And it's not. It wasn't just. And it awakened in 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 Broom Boy at the end of the Last Jedi. Like a bunch of people just gained access to something that they, that was inside of them all along, right? But it just like yeah. the Force just went like you and you and you and you and all of these stormtroopers on this ship, and this mm-hmm. and this and this, and for it to be like that's why they're the New Jedi Order. There you go. Mm-hmm. There it is. Ray now has a hundred Jedi to train. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, yeah really I, cool. like, and I don't like, there's still time that can still happen. There's still an opportunity for that. It could be a book. It could be, I, this is the final note in the Skywalker saga. And uh, we're going to wrap up in a second. Cause I got to yeah. go, but sure. Um, there's so much more to talk about with this movie. Oh, um, dude. And yeah. we're going to be talking about it for the next couple of years. Yeah, so this is just this is just like initial, like, get our thoughts out because we want to get something out. But, yeah, Here, we'll here's, dive in. here's two things I'm going to promise you. Uh, actually, three things that I'm going to promise you. Amanda and I are going to do a spoiler cast in the new year after we've had some time to digest this. When yeah. the Blu-ray comes out, two things are going to happen. We're going to do the rank of where Rise of Skywalker falls in the Thunderquack rank of all of the movies. Um, and I think we're actually going to add solo and rogue one in there just because we know that there aren't any other movies coming out. So it gives us a couple more episodes to do. The other thing that we're going to do is Matt, you and I are going to do a commentary for this movie. We're going to, I'm going to figure out the technical aspect of that. And you and I are going to sit down when this comes out on Blu-ray 
and we're gonna do a we're gonna do a a, a a commentary that you guys can queue up and listen to while you watch the movie. So you're gonna get those things in the new year that are going to give you so much more insight into this, and we'll have had time to I'll have had time to read this book cover to cover and uh, and and um, and really dig into it and come up with some more theories and that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> the final thing I want to say about this movie before before we sign off. Like I said, this is the final note in the Skywalker saga, but this is not the end of Ray's story. It's not the end of Finn's story or Poe's story. I think we have lots more story to tell with those characters, um, and I think that some of that should be movies. They don't need to be trilogies, uh, and it doesn't need to be right away, but I would like to come back in five years and have not closure. I want the beginning. This... the. It's closure on one saga. The Skywalkers are gone. Um, the bloodline of the Skywalkers is gone. The uh, Palpatine is gone. But Rey is still there. And God knows what we're going to learn in Kenobi. So um, yeah. Ezra is possibly still out there. For anything that this movie did wrong, it makes up for it with two... The inclusion of two characters. I would have liked to have seen them physically. I understand why we don't. I Again, I'm going to call Disney and Lucasfilm out. You're chicken. Should have done this. Should have figured it out. Kanan Jarrus and Ahsoka Tano being included amongst the greatest Jedi in yeah. the saga is proof that the story group knows what they're doing. They've got They've got things under control. The fact that they are not more important. <laughs> the fact that a lot of things are not more important is proof to me that JJ has not watched the Clone Wars or Star Wars Rebels. He got a dossier <laughs> yeah. and he read what he needed to know. Um, that's the difference between him and Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson has watched the Clone Wars. Ryan mm-hmm. Johnson's watched Star Wars Rebels. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. I know that 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 Jake Kasdan has. Mm, um, yeah. Because there are things in... I mean, obviously in Solo, Jake Kasdan didn't direct, or obviously Ron Howard directed, but but he, along with Lawrence Kasdan, they wrote Solo together. And inclusions of the ter- the, the Tereskazi as well as Darth Maul at the end. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. He cares about that character in the same way that we do. Um, yeah. It's very clear to me that J.J. doesn't care. The fact that he killed Snap, he doesn't care about the expanded universe. <laughs> That's right. Snap, Snap should not have died. Snap oh. should not have died. Dang. Um, yeah, he went out like Porkins, man. Just yeah. whoo, went down. Yeah. Hey, so I'll finish by saying the the end of this movie yeah. certainly <clears throat> left that glimmer. Like you see the, the yellow lightsaber. She buries Luke and, and Leia's lightsaber in the sand. Yeah. She's on Tatooine possibly assuming that she's going to kind of live her out of life, possibly on Tatooine. I don't know. She's looking at the twin sons. Um, yeah, it's, it, for some reason I thought when you, when you talk about the end of the, the Skywalker saga, I guess I didn't realize that they could go something like this and truly leave it open to, wow, she's got a saber. She built her own new saber and she's on Tatooine and, and she's overlooked by Luke and Leia. Certainly a possibility, although the cast has said that they're not coming back. Um, it certainly left it open, which is kind of cool for that now. they left it open like that. For yeah. now. 
Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I think, look, Daisy Ridley's going to go out there. She's going to go, uh, she's going to do a few things. And then in five, maybe six, seven, eight years, they're going to come back to her and say, we got a story to tell with this character. Would you come in and, and yeah. do it? And she'll do it. She'll do it. Oh, sure. Yeah, I think so. John Boyega, like, here's the deal. I want to come back to a story and I want John Boyega, I want Finn to be a Jedi. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Like I said, Finn, Jana, the whole, all of those first order stormtroopers that broke through. I want to find out. They were all force sensitive. They're all now. They're all. They are the new Jedi Order. Um, and here, like this awakening, Ray has been able to take these uh, force sensitives and turn them into something else. I also want to see that on Yavin 4. I want that to be in the Masasi Temple. Um, bring it back to that. I, I, yeah. Um, yeah, I, w- look, this movie does what a Star Wars story needs to do. It opens up the galaxy and it tells us that the story is so much bigger than what we've seen. And I like yeah. my biggest problem right now is that I just want some of that story. I want more of that stuff. And, you know, sooner rather than later but it's it's yeah. gonna be a little while because we got to wrap up some other stuff mandalorian oh, sure. yeah. kenobi yeah. you know they've got other stories to tell right now but yeah we'll get i just kind of like i said I, the only the only fanboyish thing i, I kind of wish is like obviously as i said earlier i wish kylo could have made it and the him and him and ray could have defeated yeah. palpatine and it would have been cool to see them on tatooine together you know, you talk about a Palpatine and a Skywalker together in this new, this new uh, combined. You know, th- them together. I just thought that would have been a kind of a really, really cool way to set it up. But I understand what they did with Kylo sacrificing himself and all that. But uh, yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Like I said, a couple things that you know, as with any movie, you're going to have issues with. But um, yeah. I really had a great time with it. And, and like I said, this is kind of our initial reactions. Like you said, Mike. It's going we'll we'll to evolve over time. We'll be back. Yeah, we're going to be talking about this for for a long time, I, I think, and the whole trilogy as a whole. But, um, yeah, Whew. good stuff. Time to go watch it a couple more times before uh, yeah. before we – That's the uh, best part. That's the best part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we I guess that's it for watch now. Watch a new Star Wars movie. There's something new yeah. Star Wars that's always the best oh, part. Oh, man. Oh, so good. Yeah. All right, man. I cool. guess that'll be it for now. Huh? That's it for this one. Thank you guys for yeah. listening. I uh, will be back next week with uh, with our final episode of uh, The Mandalorian. If you've tuned in for the first time to Faster, More Intense, go back, check out the rest of the season for, for The Mandalorian, um, and uh, and stay tuned in the new year. We'll, we'll, we'll have some stuff planned. Um, we'll get some stuff going. But uh, I... Yeah, and, and in the meantime, if you want to go check us out I, uh, on thunderquack.com, we've got more Star Wars podcasts over there. We've got Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast. We've got Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. And we've got Star Wars, the Saga Continues. Go over there, listen to what Tim, Paul, and Kyle have to say about the rise of Skywalker. Definitely check them out um, on the Saga Continues. And, uh, and we'll be back, like I said, we'll be back next week to close out The Mandalorian. Um, and then we'll be back in the new year at some point with... Uh, with with some new stuff so uh but yeah lots of star wars content over on thunderquack.com um t- to keep you happy if you're a star wars fan if this is your first time hearing us talk about it um and if you want to hear our continued thoughts like you'll hear it on all those other podcasts <laughs> um cool thank you guys for listening i uh, and, uh, and we'll, we'll catch you on the next one 
You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Star Wars FMI. If you like what you hear, you can support us in two ways. First, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch, or by heading to patreon.com thunderquack to kick in with your monthly pledge of support. Your pledge gets you early access, exclusive podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you. Faster More Intense is part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Head to thunderquack.com for more great podcasts.